I'm coming at you from the Louisville Airport here on this Thursday morning, October 14th. I'm huddled over here in the corner, hoping people don't find me too strange or um, neurotic talking to myself. But anyway, glad you are here. And um, this is Romans Rewind. So we're, we're tracking with our Sunday morning sermons at Four Oaks Church. And we're up to Romans chapter 3. And one of the things that we learned on Sunday um, was... Paul's rhetorical question and answer he gave to this particular idea, Romans 3.3, what if some were unfaithful? And he's talking about the Jewish Christians, I mean the, the, the Jews who had rejected their Messiah. He said, does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? And, and Paul's short answer is by no means God always keeps his word. But we said, let's, let's go a little bit more under the surface because that's what Paul does in Romans chapter 9 where he gives a little more, he, quite a bit more detailed exposition of why it is that we can still trust God, why he is still faithful even with um, the majority of his chosen covenant people from the Old Covenant rejecting Messiah. And in Romans 9, um, remember what we said was um, that Paul uses the picture of Sarah and Abraham conceiving a child in old age. So it's a picture of salvation, right? That salvation is always by grace. It's always It is always a miracle. Then yesterday, um, we got a second illustration of this um, that, re that evolves around Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Esau. And we had a little um, technical difficulties yesterday. So let, let me just kind of reverse that very quickly. The idea, let me read the passage. It says, and not only so, this is Romans 9.10, and not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing good or bad, in order that God, the purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who called, she was the old servant. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. And we said that language, love and hate, are not other ways of just saying, I chose Jacob, not Esau. And this is Paul's part of Paul's response to this idea that no, the faithful, the faithlessness of his people does not nullify God's faithfulness. He will always keep his word. And it was always to gather a people by grace, not by mere ethnicity, but by grace with the line of Abraham, and that this line would go through um, Jacob, and we said, remember that it's not as if God foresaw down the line and said, you know what, Jacob's going to be so much better human than Esau. Let's let's choose him. No, remember Jacob was a liar, deceiver, swindler, slick, cheated um, Esau out of birthright and out of blessing. And no, it was just according to God's purpose of election. And this brings us up to the question of the day because. Here, us, when we hear words like that, that Jacob I chose, Esau I didn't cho choose, um, we're, we probably, should, some of us may really wrestle with that. Why, why did he choose Jacob and not Esau? And we might um, retort that, well, Pastor Paul, that doesn't seem very fair. Well, the Apostle Paul, he totally anticipates that question that we might have. And he answers it in verse 14. Uh, of Romans 9. Let's look there. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part or is there unfairness on God's part? And he says, by no means. 
For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have a compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Okay, there's a lot in those, in those few little verses, but let me just unpack them quickly. First of all, Paul's response to Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, is to, is to point us out that really injustice in this equation is that both would be saved, right? Both deserve condemnation, both deserved um, banishment from God, both were not nice guys. And so Paul kind of flips that argument around and say, is there injustice on, on God's part? No, he has mercy on whom he has mercy. And what is right and what is just is that God would condemn everyone, right? God would pass over all of us who are sinners and, and, and judge us with uh, a righteous judgment, but he doesn't. He has compassion whom he has compassion. He has mercy upon whom he has mercy. And I think the key verse in here in Romans 9, 16, and it's, it's, clear, it's crystal clear if we'll just let it speak to us and have authority over us. It says, verse 16, so then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. And we got to really think about that for a minute. Paul says things, salvation does not ultimately depend upon free will or man's human will, but on God who has mercy. Now, does that mean we don't have a will? No, we most, we most certainly have a will. But as Luther would say, our, our will is bound by sin. We act in accordance with our nature. And what happens in conversion is that God changes our heart, that the gospel then becomes beautiful and we are uh, irresistibly drawn to it. And so this idea that um, it is unfair, um, again, is, is again flipped flipped on its head, right? And so, and it depends, Paul says, and this is, again, not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. In other words, we're all going to perish apart from God's sovereign grace. It does not depend upon our will. Ultimately, it depends upon God's will who opens the eyes of our heart and draws him, draws us to himself. Now, one way that Paul also says this is in Philippians 2. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. That's Philippians 2, 12 through 13. And what, what Paul seems to be saying in that passage is, um, yes, we have a will, but it's bound up in sin. But through the enlightening work of the Holy Spirit, our will now gravitates to the will of God. And we, what we see is God's, God's sovereign will um, almost providing like a canopy or covering over our will. And so that because of his work, first, lo first loving us and working in us, we now can engage in the battle for faith. And we do choose God, but we choose him because he changes our heart. And so we work out our salvation if you're in trembling because it is God who first acted in us. And so back to Romans 9 for a second. Again, following along the, 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 the argument here, um, God changes our will to make the gospel more beautiful. That's why Paul says it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God whom has mercy.
Um, all right, that's kind of an abbreviated um, sort of explanation of unconditional grace or unconditional election. It means there's nothing that we have done in and of ourselves that has merited God's favor, God's election, God's choice. That would negate grace. That would negate, negate salvation. But it is God's will. It is God's grace that triumphs in the end, right? And, and we are compelled by this to acknowledge our dependence upon God, our humility upon God, our prayerfulness before God, um, knowing that he wills and acts according to his good purpose. All right, so that brings us, um, there's still a couple of questions we might have in relationship to that, right? Well, Pastor Paul, if it's all about God's sovereign will, then how can he still hold us responsible? And that's what Paul will pick up in verse 19 when our we do our Devo tomorrow. But for now, let me go catch a plane and um, let's commit our day to the Lord. Lord, give us great confidence in knowing that you, your sovereign will rules over all and that we love because you first loved us and that it does not ultimately depend upon our will, but upon your will. Um, and thank you, Lord, for changing our hearts and making Christ beautiful. Lord, let us go about um, worship and adoration of you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you back in Tallahassee.